Welcome to Emil Franzink's Voices of the West, dedicated to the principle that America was better off when our TV shows featured cowboys instead of lawyers. Damn straight. There, there weren't, uh, there weren't many, uh, there weren't enough lawyers to go around suing. People came west to get away from lawyers. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> Welcome to another edition of Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. I'm Harry Alexander, Bunker to France here. Yep. In Los Angeles, it is Todd Roberts. Howdy. Hello, gentlemen. There you go. And our guest, which we will get, who we will get to in just a moment, is Dwayne Epstein. And uh, the book is Killing Generals, but we got a lot more to talk about just besides that book. You got some housekeeping stuff. I got there? some housekeeping stuff here. As you know, and if you don't know, you'll know now. Uh, <laughs> I like to do birthdays. People that in our industry uh, contributed to the Western movie, the West, any, anything, just anything that strikes my fancy. There you go. And I'm going to start out with January 18, 1955. A young kid named Kevin Costner was born. He's noted for Yellowstone as John Dutton. And a couple of really good movies, Open Range and Dances with Wolves. Now we'll move to the 19th of January, 1946, Dolly Parton. Now you're going to say, what's Dolly Parton got to do with Westerns? Well, she made she's made a ton of stuff for TV about mm-hmm. Appalachia, and mm-hmm. that's Americana, mm-hmm. and that is kind of a West in its own own. Wasn't way. she in... Oh, best little whorehouse uh, Thank you. Thank you. That, that was it. Yeah, of course. A fellow that we had on the show many years ago was born on the 20th in 1920, DeForest Kelly, noted for Warlock, Gunfight at the OK Corral, and many, many film and TV shows. Another fellow born on the same year and the same day, 2020, Chuck Hayward, stuntman. Uh, 1920, you mean? Ni- yeah, 1920. Not, you January. said 2020. Yeah, so I said 20th birthday, 20th day of January. 20 day of you. Uh, no, okay, I got lost there. Yeah, I'm confusing. Yeah, I don't know. You think you think that's confusing? You should be in my head. I uh, try not to be. Yeah. Any, anyhow, Chuck Hayward, a nice guy, stuntman. I worked with him on a lot of shows. Uh, he worked Hondo as an act as a stuntman, doubling uh, John Wayne. Had a nice part in Tom Horn. Uh, his credits run up into the hundreds. Just a just a super guy. Uh, we also have now moving up to the 21st of January, 1984. This is modern times. Almost for most of me, it's like, yeah. Anyhow, Luke Grimes, the young, the young son on Yellowstone, and was also on Magnificent Seven, 2016. We'll forgive him for that one. Uh, January 22nd, 1940, same year I came into this world. John Hurt, English actor, but very good. He was in Wild Bill. 1995 as Charlie Prince, Dead Man in 1980 as John Schofield, a very much overlooked movie. Uh, he was in Heaven's Gate 1980 as John Merrick. I'm one of the few people in the world that likes it, but I, that's, that's my prerogative. Uh, January 23rd, 1898. Now I want everybody to stand up, take their hat off, place it over their heart. Oh, must be Randolph Scott. <laughs> yeah, that was the that was the Bedecker Scott Kennedy Brown group of voters, which is some of the fine finest westerns ever made. I have my hat off over my heart. If I had a hat on, I'd take it off. Brandy. Oh, oh man, what a man! What a what yeah. a what an artist! No kidding. Okay, another fellow on the twenty third, but this was twenty third, but this was it actually was a lady, twenty third of nineteen twenty eight. Jean Moreau from Marty Walsh, mm-hmm. Lee Marvin squeezing that one. Mm-hmm. And beautiful lady, beautiful performance. Another uh, January 23rd, 1950, Richard Dean Anderson, uh, noted for his TV MacGyver. legend. Oh, I don't, I don't talk about those kind of shows. But the legend <laughs> that they shot here in Tucson, 1995, I think they only did like 14 or 18 of them. Mm-hmm. And then he also did Seven Brides for Seven Brothers in 82 and 83 mm-hmm. is Adam McFadden. And then finishing up my group here, uh, just a super, super actor, a hero of everybody that loves Westerns, January 24th, 1917. Ernest Borgnine. Hey. Now I could I could go on for hours about all of his westerns, but I'm just going to name a small handful that all took place after 2004. 
These are all fairly contemporary, which shows that they were making a lot more Westerns that we never knew about. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that's sad. Anyhow, he did Aces and Eights in 2008 as yep. Thurman Prescott. He did Chinaman's Chance, um, America's Other Slaves, 2008, kind of a chop socky Western. Mm-hmm. Interesting. It may not be great, but it is interesting as Judge Holliday. He did The Trail to Hope Rose in 2004 as Eugene. That's an interesting film. And then he did one called Renegade. The original title was Blueberry, which was based on one of the most popular comic books in Italy. Hmm. And that's that's my movies. Well, we weren't able to get to it last week, but on the 13th, which is my wife's birthday of, of January. Happy belated too. Yes. Um, the uh, uh, It also was the date of the death of Wyatt Earp. Yes, I saw that. Yeah. So anyway. I, I thought about those guys, but I figured that we'd, be, we'd be closing out by I, the time I finished. I reckon so. Let's get to our guest. His name is Dwayne Epstein. He's written a bunch of books. Uh, but this one's called Killing Generals, The Making of the Dirty Dozen, the most iconic WW2 movie of all time. One that my, is quite a statement there, but i got to agree with you there, One Dwayne. of my favorite Westerns. I know. <laughs> Welcome to the show. <laughs> well, thank you, gentlemen. Um, thank you for having me. I was invited by... Um, by my friend Todd Roberts, mm-hmm. and he was the one and who had we, the idea. We won't hold it against him either, because <laughs> you're going to be a good guest. I looked you up, and man, I'm happy. I know, I know. The, 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 I'm as happy as a pig and sloth. You know, and and the Facebook promo that I did was a picture of Lee from uh, Dirty Dozen and a picture of Lee from Marty Walsh. Oh, you yes, know, indeed. Blank in there, huh? No. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marty Walsh, by the way, was produced by Todd's father. Yes, it was. Co-produced. Yeah. Yeah, so... When I worked on that. Bunker did. He did. Um, okay, so what? what is it about this particular movie that uh, the book comes about for, uh, you know? Yeah, what caused all this? <laughs> well, well, initially I had published a book on Lee Marvin called Lee Marvin Point Blank mm-hmm. back in 2013, and it did very, very well. It won some awards. It made the New York Times bestsellers list. And consequently, I won't go about how I, you know, what transpired in between, but I, I got a new agent, and he asked me what would I like to write about, what's your favorite? Well, first he said, would you like to write about the movie Point Blank? And I said, well, I, I like that movie. I don't love it. But if you want to know what my favorite Lee Marvin movie is, it's uh, The Dirty Dozen. So we proceeded from there. I put together a proposal. He sent it out to a publishing company, and they accepted it yeah. in record time. Wow. Yes. Wow. Yep. It's a great movie. Well, it's uh, a record-making movie. You, you know, I mean, the, the, the cast in there, and it, there's bunches of people in that movie who made westerns as well. The Marvin, I would go about, yeah, I would say that every actor in the film that's um, credited in the title sequences and also in the advertising, mm-hmm. every single one of those actors, believe it or not, had made westerns. That's right. All of them. Yeah. Including Trinity Lopez? Me. I'm sorry? Including Trini Lopez? <laughs> Including Trini Lopez, oh, believe awesome. it or not. Yeah. He, he didn't do a whole lot of acting anyway. No, but no. He did... He wrote, directed, and co-starred in a movie called Antonio about a guy from Chile who is trying to get to America. I had never heard of it. I just looked it up oh. on uh, the movie database. He also sang the title tune yeah. um, to There Was a Crooked Man, yeah. a very underrated, weird, fun Western starring Kirk Douglas. Odd, yeah. huh. yep. Interesting. It's, and, you know, it's like everybody talks about Henry Fonda not playing bad guys and his character <laughs> there, is, is, he was you know, one of the greatest bad guys ever no in kidding. Once Upon a Time in the West Yeah, yeah and, but at the end of the movie who's, who's the guy that goes off with the stolen gold yeah, yeah it's um, Henry Fonda well, and he all, he was tr- he was trying to be a bad guy in the Oxbow incident. You could see some of that was coming out because yep. of uh, that that how that particular character was. You know, always questioning and wondering. And Fury of yeah, Fire and, Creek. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, speaking of Once Upon a Time in the West, the uh, the, the male lead was Charles Bronson, and yeah. it's a movie that helped put him on the map. Yeah. You know, in terms of his international star status. Yeah. Hmm. You know, it's funny. I'm glad you mentioned him because uh, 
he you know he left here because he had a contract dispute with on a television show he was doing and they said well you won't be able to work for seven years till your contract's up and he said screw you went to Europe and became a major <laughs> star over there I like it and I like he did one called Rider in the Rain Oh, that's a great movie. Isn't that? I saw that, and I couldn't believe it. And I said, that's, that's as good as anything that's ever been made here. All right. Yeah, I'll give you an interesting piece of trivia that's really strange. Apparently, that movie was based on Alice in Wonderland. <laughs> yeah, really, really. And his character, he was the Chesser Cat. Mm-hmm. Nice. Isn't that a trip? I can see nice. it. I just love that. Just bouncing the walnuts off of plate windows, you know. It never broke a window. So, oh, yeah, the hazelnut. Yeah. So, oh, no, the walnuts, the walnuts, that's right. Yeah. So Dwayne, and the first thing he says to Marlene Jobert when he shows up in the movie, the first thing he says with that big Cheshire grin is, why'd you do it, love, love? <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was so cool. <laughs> so, Dwayne, what I is it about this Brunson. particular movie that uh, makes it quite the favorite for you, The Dirty Dozen? Oh, I, I, for several reasons, actually. One, one being the cast, and... Mm -hmm. The other would be the theme in the film. There are several themes running through the movie based on the plot. Mm -hmm. You know, 12, 12 vicious convicts um, are recruited. It's not very believable, but they are recruited to uh, train on a mission behind enemy lines. And the level of, of, of you know, things like... Themes like redemption and, and anti-establishment and thumbing its nose at the military brass, all those themes are very, very strong in the film. Hmm. And and the acting is wonderful. I mean, I know John Cassavetes was Oscar-nominated for his performance in the movie, and mm -hmm. rather ironically, he lost to George Kennedy mm -hmm. in Cool Hand Luke, mm -hmm. who co-starred in The Dirty Dozen. Yeah, but yes. by the way, even, even John Cassavetes made a Western. Yes, Early in yes. his career, it was called Saddle in the Wind, yep. with him and Robert Taylor. Yeah, yep. that's a good movie, actually. I like yeah, it. Yeah, Roland Dano was awesome in there as the old dirt farmer. Todd Roberts, yeah, jump Roy, in here. Yeah. Royal Dano is always good. Uh, you can't find him in a bad anything. Um, right. You know, I, he, I, he's always cast in roles where he looks like the character he's playing. He's, yeah, he's, he's not, not ever miscast. He's able yeah, to. I think it's also really important to notice that, or take notice of the fact that several of these actors, yes, they were all in great westerns and did great westerns, but several of them were in those great westerns together, mm -hmm. such yep, as Remar and Charles Bronson, Ernest Borgnine in Bad Day of Black Rock. I'm not That's right. Western. Also, you, my favorite example would be um, The Wild Bunch with mm. Robert Ryan and Ernest yeah. Borgnine. Mm -hmm. um, yes. And yes. the movie was produced by Ken Hyman, who also produced The Dirty Dozen. Um, and, you know, several examples like that. And the professional. Well, you also have um, Marvin and, uh, and uh, Ryan again. Yeah. Right. Yeah, you have the professionals as well. But you also have. Uh, um, Robert Aldrich directed Emperor of the North. Yes. Right. Um, with, with Lee Marvin and, and, and Ernest Borgnine. Yeah, one of uh, my favorite examples is also a movie Robert Aldrich directed um, called Vera Cruz, made in the 50s. Vera yeah, Cruz. Sure. Vera Cruz. Um, and the guys and in Burt Lancaster Gang. Borgnine. Yeah, Charles Bronson and Ernest Borgnine. And, and in doing the research for Dirty Dozen, I, of course, had to read Ernest Borgnine's um, autobiography. And so it's a great story that one day during lunch, they were, Borgnine and Bronson were still in costume with the bandoleros and, you know, all that stuff. And they went into town to buy a pack of cigarettes, and they got stopped by the federales. <laughs> and, and, and they were held there until, until they could be identified. <laughs> and you look at the cast like on that, that movie, too. That was kind of like a Dirty Dozens. You had all of the great character actors in that one. Yeah, exactly. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Your top line, Gary Cooper and Burt Lancaster, but... But yeah, they had, you know, Cesar Romero and, you know, all these great actors. Man, you can't make movies like that anymore. I, I realize many of these stars aren't there or aren't with us any longer. But the point of the matter is you don't see a whole lot of movies made with with contemporary actors uh, really good. I, Ocean, what is it, Ocean Ocean's 11? 11 is the one I can th think about. Uh, yeah. You know, and, and that's really about it. Yeah, when they do it nowadays and they do it, it's like everybody's going, what did he ever do? Yeah. <laughs> Another f interesting thing is is that Lucas Heller 
wrote two films for my dad. He wrote Monty Walsh with, of course, Lee Marvin, but he also wrote Damnation Alley. Uh, oh, right, my, yeah. From my dad. George Pappard. Which George Pappard and Jan Michael Vincent and mm-hmm. Paul Winfield and Dominique Sanda. Right, and it was based on a novel by a guy named Roger Zelazny, and I know he's a kind of a cool right. sci-fi director. Yes, absolutely. Jack Smite uh, also worked on it. But, uh, you know, it's interesting. He also wrote The Deadly Trackers with with uh, Telly Savalas. And, and I think it wasn't wasn't Rod Taylor in that, or am I thinking of something else? The Deadly Trackers. Oh, the Deadly the Trackers. Yeah, <laughs> he might wrong. be. Yeah. No, I think you're right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The you know what you're saying about them not making movies like that anymore. That's obviously true. But the thing is, it you know the rule in Hollywood used to be if you want to make money, make a western. Mm-hmm. Now it's like westerns are dead, and every now and again. The uh, you know the industry gets proven wrong in that you know Kevin Costner is really great at that with Yellowstone yeah. and, and when he did Dances with Wolves and you know he would make these I'm not, well, not just him, anybody yeah. would often make a western and everybody would think it would flop and then bam it's a hit one of my favorite examples more recently fairly recently Three Ten to Yuma the remake uh-huh. I thought that was terrific uh-huh. I actually thought it was better than the original. Uh-oh, sorry. Turn them off, Harry. Turn them off. Oh, I just stepped on a landmine, didn't yeah, I? Yeah, you did. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that, and that's a home movie, too, because a bunch of it was made over here. But, yeah, well, you know, Russell Crowe was good in it, but there was he there wasn't was, Glenn Ford, man. Yeah. Well, you know, and here's the thing about Russell Crowe. He's another one. He likes to kind of revise genres. Yeah. When he did... Um, Oh gosh, Gladiator! Oh yeah, that's one of my favorite examples. His remake of uh, of, of Robin Hood the So So, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, but yeah. he did some other movies where he just reinvigorated a genre. Yeah, and I love that. Well, you know the Sharon Stone western that he did uh, with Hackman. Ah, there you go. Yes, Naked yeah. and the Dead. Yeah, Quick and the Dead. Oh, no, Quick and the, the, the Dead. The Dead. Quick and the Dead with Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah, right. And of course Gene Hackman and Thel Reed was Thel Reed was the armor yeah. and gun crew. Right. All right, we got to take our first commercial break, no. fellas. Yes, we no. do, as a matter of fact. <laughs> Harry no. Alexander, Bunker to France, Todd Roberts with you on Emil Franzi's The Voices of the West. Our guest, Dwayne Epstein, will be right back. Arizona, the land of cattle, copper, and cowboys. It's also the true West, where a large number of Westerns were built. For your next vacation, come out to where Wyatt Earp made a name for himself as a highly respected sheriff. Stay where Jimmy Stewart filmed Winchester 73. That would be the White Stallion Ranch. Situated in the mountains just northwest of Tucson, the White Stallion Ranch is an award-winning dude ranch with 43 guest rooms and a hacienda. That's a five-bedroom, three-bathroom home perfect for larger families, family reunions, and girlfriend getaways. Every guest room has a private patio with views of the cactus gardens, mountains, or corrals. Generous floor plans offer sunny, comfortable rooms, but you won't want to stay in your room. Outdoor activities are plentiful at the White Stallion Ranch. Horseback riding, hiking, shooting, archery, rock climbing, e-biking, and a weekly ranch rodeo are among the numerous activities that you'll enjoy on your ranch vacation. Go Western for your next getaway. The White Stallion Ranch. Book your vacation now online at whitestallionranch.com or call 520-297-0252. This is Eb Wilkinson at Wilkinson Wealth Management. If you're within 10 to 15 years of retirement and you're putting off retirement planning, my advice to you is don't do that. Ignoring your retirement planning won't make it go away. It'll just make it worse. Give me a call and let's work on your plan together so you can retire comfortably and remain comfortably retired. Call me, Eb Wilkinson, at 777-1911. That's 777-1911. 
The Tucson Trap and Ski Club is one of the best-kept economic secrets in town. This 900-member group maintains one of the finest shotgun shooting ranges in the country, featuring trap, skeet, five-stand, and sporting clays fields, and hosts national and international events that bring thousands of people and millions of dollars into our community. The Spring Satellite Grand American Tournament alone involves 1,200 participants for 10 days. Learn more about this and their other contributions to our community at TucsonTrapAndSkeet.com. Get them all? Didn't miss a one. Held this fella for your cap and sweated him. Admits he rode the Buckhorn Trail. So you used to ride the Buckhorn Trail, eh? What of it? You know who trail jumped the Wyatt family? What's it worth to you? Oh, plenty if you know. Just how much? Your life. I ain't telling. This is the Voices of the West. I am a roving gambler, I've gambled all around. Wherever I meet with a deck of cards, I lay my money down. I had not been down Texas way. We are back on Amal Franzi's Voices of the West. Harry Alexander, Bunker de France, Todd Roberts with you. Our guest, Dwayne Epstein, author. And Tex Reader singing, singing in the background. And uh, that, that little drop there, uh, John Wayne and uh, Yak. Uh, I can't remember what movie it came from, but that was a hoot. it was a good movie, too. Yeah. I mean, the, the expressions were just so classic. Yak is standing there. Just looking real solemn, and Wayne's questioning him. Yak says, "Man, nah, nah, nah. <laughs> uh, you know, that's why I think that's why I like those old movies so much. You know, they're they're, they're not over. They're so they're not over since. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, speaking of John Wayne, a lot of people don't know this, but he was first offered the ro- the lead role in the Dirty Dozen. Really? I heard that. Yeah. Oh, I read that in your thing there. Yeah. Yeah. He turned it down. A lot of people think he turned it down because he thought the finale of of incinerating a bunch of Nazis would be too much for audiences or what have you. That's actually not the case. That's not why he turned it down. He sent a memo to to the producer. Now, this was before Robert Aldrich was involved in the film as the director. Mm-hmm. And Ken Hyman started putting out the word of who he'd like to star in it. And Ken Hyman, you know, approached John Wayne. And John Wayne sent Ken Hyman a memo and to uh, condense it real quick, paraphrase it, I mean. He, he wrote Ken Hyman back saying, I don't know who wrote this piece of crap, but whoever, <laughs> whoever wrote it must be one of those sandal-wearing, long-haired hippie types carrying a sign against a wood they should be fighting. Now, now here's, here's the part I love, okay? He said one of those young kids, okay? The guy who wrote the book, uh, excuse me, the guy who wrote the screenplay was Oscar-winning um, screenwriter Nunley Johnson, who was in his 60s when he wrote it. <laughs> well, you know, go go into that because you know the 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 book and then the various screenwriters that were involved, the directors that came on board, and then finally Aldrich. That in itself is a is is the making of a, a book. story. <laughs> yeah, well, I that's exactly what I did, <laughs> and it's called Killing Generals. There you go. <laughs> it, it's a it, it's available on Amazon.com and Barnes and Noble and fine bookstores everywhere. That is great. Todd Roberts, jump in there. Well, you know, I think what's so interesting is that, in a way, all those Westerns they made separately and individually and so on, uh, and then together sometimes, led to this film, which is kind of a nexus. No, it's not a Western, but it's the ultimate guy movie. Mm-hmm. It's a, oh, it's a road trip. True. It's yep. a buddy picture. Uh well, I don't know if it's necessarily uh, lots picture. of guns. You uh, can rewrite it as a western. Well, yeah. there, there are. I mean, is you know, they're all anti-heroes in their own right. way. But it's a buddy picture, out of uh, of necessity, having to rely well, on that's each true. other. Okay, from that point of view. And then and also, the you it's kill a lot of Germans. That's beautiful. You bet. <laughs> yeah, German Germans were more more better for that period than Indians. <laughs> And I'll tell you something, it's not the first movie to ever do that, to ever have that as a theme. There have been several Westerns that did that, one of them being The Magnificent Seven. Yeah. You know, bad guys doing good things, like, you know, and that co-star Charles Bronson, 
but also um, um, there was a Western Roger Corman made in the late 50s, early 60s called Five Guns West. Um, And it had the same theme. A bunch of uh, uh, convicts in the Old West go out to catch an outlaw. (laughs) Mm. And, you know, and by the way, it's it's a thing that's existed for a long, long time. I mean, the Bowery Boys made movies about getting Nazis. And sure. I mean, yeah. Bogart did a couple of them. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, uh, but well, anyway. what's his name? Uh, Ward Bond did one. I killed Hitler or whatever mm-hmm. it was. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah. Let's, let's shoot some. Let's shoot some of the guys that we hate at the moment. That's well, the well Dwayne, you obviously have quite a love of movies. Oh, indeed. <laughs> Absolutely. I've loved movies my whole life. If my mother is to be believed, and I love telling people this because she told me, if my mother is to be believed, when we would go to a drive-in when I was a kid uh-huh. and I was a baby, both my older sisters would be in the back seat sleeping. I'd be st- I, was a- I was like six months old. I'd be staring at the screen. And my mother said, you wouldn't go to sleep. Now, I don't know where that comes from, but it- it's there. <laughs> well, well here, here's, here's an indication. Thespian Honor uh, Society, Whitney High School, Cerritos, California. Uh, Honor Society for the Thespians. You, 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 uh, did you have aspirations to act a little bit? How did you know I went to Whitney? Uh, oh, he has the, his ways. I, I, I am very devious. I, I'm like you, I think, in some ways. I love research. I, th- I think I enjoy that more than anything I do. Well, I'm impressed. You did do your homework. I tried. When I was in high school, sure. Yeah. That was the main reason why, I, I, you know, I, okay. I now, let because me ask, I love movies so much, I thought about being an actor. But once yeah. I graduated in high school in the world, now, <laughs> why you know, I confronted you, the world, I realized, no, that's not going to happen. <laughs> now, now I, when you graduated from Whitney, you went to uh, Merced County Community College and Mercer. with the journalism. What what made that you make that switch from acting to journalism other than the fact you probably you wanted to write about movies that that would be it there's an old you know the old saying that that a good idea comes as a light bulb above your head a friend of mine said that's not how it happens is it's a it's a whack in the back of the head with a two by four yeah that's that's how it happened when i was i wasn't a great student but i was an okay student and when i would take tests i realized the part i did the best was any kind of essay questions i could i could load it on like you wouldn't believe mm-hmm. and when i when i started taking classes at mercer county i realized you know what i should be a writer because i do this better than i've done anything i don't like it as you know yeah it, it's not my life well, you were okay, five it. it's, not any, it's not anything I particularly care to do. It's just I know I do it well, mm-hmm. especially when I write about something I'm passionate about, such as movies. Well, it sucks you in. It's like yep. it's like doing the show with you. When Harry first told me, I went, "Dirty Dozen's not a western." And then I started looking at this stuff, and I'm going, "Whoa, this is cool. This is more cool. This is even cooler yet, and cooler still." Very true. I think it's important to also, you know, there's some people here that we kind of, uh, some of this cast that is a, that is a throwaway, uh, who, are, who we lose in, compared to the other names, like Ralph Meeker, who plays the psychologist. Yes. You right. know, he was in he was in The Naked Spur, yes, Run of the Arrow, uh, Wanted Dead or Alive, Custer, The Texan. Wagon Train, Zane Gray Theater. He did on two and pilots on and on. from Wagon Train. Uh, One of his last films was called, I believe it was uh, Johnny Firecloud, about a rogue Indian trying to get back at the people who had you know, ruined his people. And I think he played the lead bad guy in that, Ralph Meeker. I think it was made in the 60s. Well, you know, I got it. Uh, 75, 75. There you go. 75. But, you know, we yeah. also got to remember... Uh, how much we, you know, we love uh, a film like Jubal with Charlie Bronson and Ernest Borgnine. Oh, great uh, movie. Who, you know, great book. Boy, you know, and Glenn Ford, of course, and Noah Berry and so on. Just such a good film. So well made. Yeah. Well, and don't forget Richard Jackal and the Dirty Dozen. Richard Jackal. One of the greatest character yeah. actors of all time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I remember him in a couple of John Wayne movies. He was in uh, Chisholm. I remember that and a few others. Yes. And, you know, yes. his, his uh, going going back to Treat uh, to Yuma, mm-hmm. you know. Oh, was, right. He right. was just golden. 
I've mm-hmm. got to work with him a couple of times, and I knew him out in California because we hit the same gyms. And just a super nice guy. I mean, this is this guy. You meet him, and you think he. After five minutes, you think he was a cousin. <laughs> yeah, and you know, in in working on the book, Killing Generals, from what I understand, Jacob had a great kind of. Uh, Nasty sense of humor. Yes. <laughs> mm. He he could he could pull a prank off like nobody's business, and he and Lee Marvin loved to do that yeah. together. Yeah, he could sing with the best singers of all time. <laughs> yeah, that's what I've heard. I can, I can give you one quick example, as 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 uh, as an example of of Jekyll's, you know playfulness and sense of humor. Because they were filming the movie in England, almost all of the you know supporting actors who who um, aren't aren't that well known were either British or they were Canadian, and so consequently, Jekyll and Marvin loved to mess with them. <laughs> Just before they would shoot a scene, you know, they'd be in the scene together, and the extras were there, and Lee Marvin would would grumble. He would go. That Jaco, I don't believe him. I've known him for years, and last night he hit on me. I couldn't believe it. And then, just before they said action, Jaco winks at the other actor, grabs his butt, and goes, "It's only a rumor." <laughs> I love that story. That is good. And on that note, we're going to take our uh, next commercial break. Here on Emil Franzi's Voices of the West, Henry Alexander, Bunker de France, Todd Roberts with you. Our guest is uh, Dwayne Epstein. This is great stuff, man. We'll be right back. Can you even imagine switching back to pen and paper to run your business? Every year, we become more and more dependent upon our technology. If your network is not set up properly, you're just one click or one email away from losing data critical to your operation. Arizona Computer Guru offers a host of services to prevent and protect you from disaster. From online backup services to email filtering to fully managed network services, Arizona Computer Guru is here to keep your network secure, your data safe, and your budget in the black. To schedule your free consultation, call 304-8300. The Tucson Trap and Ski Club is one of the best-kept economic secrets in town. This 900-member group maintains one of the finest shotgun shooting ranges in the country, featuring trap, skeet, five-stand, and sporting clays fields, and hosts national and international events that bring thousands of people and millions of dollars into our community. The Spring Satellite Grand American Tournament alone involves 1,200 participants for 10 days. Learn more about this and their other contributions to our community at TucsonTrapAndSkeet.com. This is Eb Wilkinson at Wilkinson Wealth Management. If you're within 10 to 15 years of retirement and you're putting off retirement planning, my advice to you is don't do that. Ignoring your retirement planning won't make it go away. It'll just make it worse. Give me a call and let's work on your plan together so you can retire comfortably and remain comfortably retired. Call me, Eb Wilkinson, at 777-1911. That's 777-1911. Well, they flew like a turkey. Well, they shouldn't have run. They shouldn't have run. Sing! Well, how'd you like to kiss my sister's black cat's ass? This is the Voices of the West. on Abel Franzi's Voices of the West, Harry Alexander, Bunker de France, and Todd Roberts, and of course the one and only Bo Hopkins. Yeah. <laughs> we had him on the show. He was fun. Oh man, he, he was great, man. Loved, loved him. And uh, Dwayne, I gotta tell you, I gotta play that uh, High Chaparral theme there. Uh, don't know if you ever saw the program. Hope you did. Yes, indeed. It is one of the best, if not the best. Uh, Western on television, uh, contemporary Western on television. Bunker was in 50 plus, 52, 53, whatever he can remember episodes <laughs> of that show. So, yeah, we and love you it. Know, that's a great segue from the soundtrack from High Chaparral. Because I understand you like to collect soundtracks, Ooh. movie soundtracks, and I have a ton of favorites. And let's talk movie soundtracks. <laughs> Sure. Also, I want to point out, Emil Franzi, the founder of our show, he loved to do soundtrack shows from time to time. So way back in our past, we have a bunch of soundtrack shows. Yes, we do. Cue number four, Harry. (laughs) My, My favorite composer, film composer of all time, 
is Jerry Goldsmith, uh-huh. and he did some great westerns. Yes. Hour of the Gun, yeah. uh, um, Rio Conchos, um, great, great stuff. But my favorite... He did Damnation Alley for my dad. I'm sorry? He did Damnation Alley for my dad. That's absolutely right. I have the soundtrack to that, too, believe it or not. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you have the, the soundtrack um, for Hell's Hinges? <laughs> for what? Hell's Hinges. <laughs> Never heard of it. Oh, a silent yeah. uh, Tom and uh, William S. Hart movie. Yeah, 1915, I think, something like that. No, 15. Okay, well, that explains why I don't have the soundtrack to that. <laughs> 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 yeah, my favorite film score of all time is the score for uh, the movie Papillon with Steve McQueen. Oh, that's sweet. Man, oh. That, is, that is just an amazing piece of music to me. Yeah, mine is but, The Big Country. I'm sorry? The Big Country. Oh, yeah, that one, too. That's, that's, that's a great that's, score. You listen to that soundtrack, and it's like watching the movie all over again. Yeah, Magnificent Seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, Magnificent uh, score, Seven. Yeah, the score to the John Wayne movie, The Cowboys. I yeah. love the score to that film. You know, the first Absolutely. soundtrack I ever bought was Man with the Golden Arm. With oh, yeah. Man. Oh, God. I Elmer Bernstein. Yes. What a, sound, what a movie. What a soundtrack. I agree. I completely agree. We are we are very simpatico in our taste in movies. Apparently. Yes, we are. <laughs> we're, we're, we're movie nerdies. So Noali Johnson also wrote uh, "Along Came Jones," Jesse James, the true story of Jesse James, the Gunfighter. Uh, he wrote a lot of westerns, some great westerns, and Who the Great Sabrina. I'm sorry. And Simon Star, New Noali Johnson, the writer, one of the three writers of. The Dirty Dozen. Oh, not only Johnson, right. Indeed. I mean, he wrote The Grapes of Wrath, my God. Oh, yeah. Well. And that's yes. one of the points uh, Ken Hyman made when he when he wanted to hire Nunnally Johnson to write the screenplay. When the head of the studio um, said, Nunnally Johnson, he's a comedy writer because he had just done How to Marry a Millionaire and a few other similar movies. And Nunnally Johnson goes, he, not Nunnally Johnson, sorry. Ken Hyman said, really? Really? Did you ever see The Grapes of Wrath? That's a real yacht fest. <laughs> that's a real comedy. <laughs> <laughs> right? Nice so that's how he convinced him. Okay. <laughs> Oh, my God. What was it that prompted you to do the biography on Lee Marvin? Well, that's that's a very good question because it goes back a lot of ways. It took me 20 years to get that thing published. Wow. But the, the reason I decided to take the project on was I had made friends with a gentleman named Marshall Terrell, who uh, also wrote a biography on Steve McQueen. And I'm a huge Steve McQueen fan. Mm-hmm. And I had contacted him about several things that were in his book and we decided to meet for uh, lunch and when we did we talked movies of course and at one point he said to me you know you should you should write your own book you seem to not a biography you seem to know what you're talking about and I said when he said that I said yeah I want to you wrote it <laughs> I would love to write a book on Steve McQueen so then we started talking about people um, that I'm a fan of that, that might be worthy of a book and when I said Lee Marvin I mean yeah I mentioned Lee Marvin and Marshall said you know there's never really been a decent book written about him. I think he could be a good subject, and we kind of and I and I took it from there. I've got some great Lee Marvin shows. I worked a couple of shows with him, knew him here in Tucson, and uh, yeah, uh, he, his, he, his he, late he, wife used to be on beyond uh, uh, beyond uh, the show with uh, Amel yeah. when he was doing Voices of the West. You know, it's so funny. We were in Santa Fe on Pocket Money when she came out with with the boy and the girl and. Uh, 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 Unst out and myself. Lee invited us to join him for dinner at the what is the the La Flamingo La Fonda, and and he was telling us all. He says, "Yeah, she's, this was my high school sweetheart." <laughs> you know, a few months later, they're married. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's tons of well, stories well, about uh, Lee and Pam and the the, the fishing uh, business of <laughs> the marlin. Oh, hanging sure. Up well, she had the the world record uh, black marlin yeah. bigger than his. Yeah. Well, you know, it's but so I always love the story about Lee and Pam. Is he was on the tour of the release from Monty Walsh, and he uh, he goes. To, he's in New York for the release of Monty Walsh, and he shows after the premiere, a limo pulls up in front of her house, and she's like, 
who's the, what's going on here? Who's this? And he, there's a knock on the door, and he, she goes to answer the door, and there's Lean. He's in a suit and tie, directly from the from the uh, premiere in New York, and he's got a suitcase on the ground, and he takes the suitcase with his hand and pushes it with all his might, and it goes sliding across her hardwood floors into her house Ooh. and I, I said well when I before she said that I said so he just you know how that was moving in she said I'll tell you how he was moving in he, I opened the door he pushed the suitcase in and he kissed me and he said what's for dinner <laughs> <laughs> that is so him yes oh man what a great actor he was what a great yeah actor. and it's, it's interesting um, I, I got to interview Jack Palance and he told me a great story about making Monty Walsh when they were when they were taking a Brit no when they were done for the day and they were going to dinner they went to a restaurant and there were no seats available yet and they just went into the bar and they're having a drink and Jack Palance is standing closer to the door to the restaurant and Marvin's behind him a producer comes in sees Jack Palance he's there with his family sees Jack Palance and goes over to shake his hand Palance moves out of the way. The producer sees Lee Marvin and goes, Oh my God, it's Lee Marvin. Look at the children out of here. <laughs> <laughs> I love that well, story. Oh, yes. You know, yes. Lee Marvin, uh, here in LA, there's a bar restaurant called Shay J, which I took Harry to. I don't know if yes. you know it, Dwayne. Maybe you remember no, it. No, no, I don't believe I do. Bunker. Well, it's down on Ocean Avenue in Pico, just south of Pico, across from the Santa Monica Pier. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's kind of a steakhouse, but it's really a bar, is what it is. And uh, you have peanuts, and you crack the shells, and you throw them on the floor and stuff. And So it was Steve, Mar uh, Steve McQueen and Lee Marvin's favorite bar. And they'd sit there and drink. And one day, they're sitting in there, and they probably both had too many, and uh, they were both Marines, as we know, and Marvin, uh, they're both telling stories of how, you know, I did this, and I did this, and I, and Lee Marvin says, yeah, well, I know something you can't do, and he says, well, what's that, uh, McQueen says, he says, you can't take one of them peanuts there, chill, and swallow it whole, and McQueen goes, oh, yeah? Yeah, watch this. Oh, yeah? I bet you I can. So he takes the peanut and he swallows it whole. And he's not, he, he, he goes silent. He's not talking and he doesn't look like he's breathing. And he turns green and then he turns blue and then he turns purple and then he turns starts to turn red. And, and he's like pointing at his mouth with his finger and he, huh, huh, and Marvin just takes his hand, open hand, and starts pounding on McQueen's back. And all of a sudden, the peanut comes flying out of his mouth and shoots across the bar. And Marvin, dry, dry as a stone, dry as a bone, goes, well... I guess I won the bet. <laughs> you know, that that was talking about be beating on somebody. Uh, Lee Marvin and Angie Dickinson in Point Blank when she beating on him, and mm. she is beating mm -hmm. him. And he's standing there just taking it. Taking it. Mm. I mean, that's... that's that's the kind of guy he was. One of my favorite Lee well, Marvin. That also was that was payback for him holding her uh, out of the window. Yeah, in the, the killers. killers. Yeah. yeah. With, you know, uh, I interviewed uh, I interviewed Angie Dickinson um, when I was working on the Lee Marvin book. What a wonderful woman! And she told me that when they shot that scene where she's beating on him with her furious little fists. She said he couldn't be more stoic. She was really hitting him and slapping yeah, him. And then, he, yeah. and then he just walked away. And yeah. then when he comes back in later and she hits him with the pool cue, you know, she really did hit him. And that blood you see on his cheek, that's real. But he never complained. Yeah. And then because, I love this, they fell under the pool table and then they had to reset up the shot. And while they're resetting up the shot, Lee Marvin said to the director, anybody got a deck of cards? <laughs> One of my favorite Lee Marvin movies, and I honestly cannot recall the title. It's a World War II movie, and he and Red One. And no, I don't believe so. He was chosen by the command 
to go to this island. Meantime, there's oh, this Japanese oh, soldier. Oh, that's Hell in the Pacific. Okay. Hell in the Pacific. Oh, 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 yes. Directed yes. by John Borman. That was right. No, he doesn't get chosen. He gets shot down. He's an Army Air Corps uh, yeah. uh, pilot. Okay, okay. That, that, that was and it. And they're both stranded on the island together. Yeah, it, it's been a long time since I've seen the movie. But that's right. It, it's right. It's a really good movie. You know, I, I just, you know, I just dawned on me when you look at some of the very best World War II movies, uh, he's in them. Yeah, yeah, and the westerns as well. Oh yeah, but you know. <laughs> Maybe and listen, talk. if you're going to talk genres, you got to throw in crime films. Sure. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, point blank, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. With, the, with the one with uh, Gloria Graham. Yeah, The Big Heat. The mm. Big Heat with the scalding coffee. Woo! Right. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. yeah. When, when the movie came out, the squad. When, I'm sorry? He also made The M Squad on TV. Oh, yeah. That's right. When when the big heat first came out, Vincent Canby, the film critic for the New York Times, he called Lee Marvin the Merchant of Menace. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you you look at him like in the Bedecker Westerns. You know, oh, just, I'm just, glad you mentioned that. Seven Men from Now, what yeah. a great movie! Oh, well, that, you that's know, that so was good. that was you know, I kind of mentioned that on, on earlier, but but that that combination of Bedecker, uh, Burt Kennedy. Uh, Harry Joe Brown. Yep. Uh, I'm missing somebody. Oh, Randolph Scott. That is that was one of the greatest combos I think of all time. Absolutely. I, once again, I interviewed Bud Bediger, who told me some wonderful stories about Lee Marvin and well, also Burke Kennedy. Um, Burke Kennedy told me that was when Lee Marvin first met John Wayne, mm-hmm. and he came because John Wayne produced it, uh, Batjack Pictures, I mm-hmm. think. And John Wayne visited the set, and he he comes up to Lee Marvin, and Marvin sticks his hand out, and he's wearing like this long duster, okay? And he's trying to move his arm and he and he's acting, you know, overacting as if he can't stretch, right? And then Marvin tells John Wayne, he goes, I'm sorry, I got this coat from Central Casting and had your name in it. And I just can't it's so small on me. <laughs> John Wayne loved that. He thought it was hysterical. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's so him and Wayne in Common Charles. Yeah. I mean it, 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 he had a way of imbuing characters that took them beyond what the writer, you know, what the writer... That's what a good actor does. Well, well and yep. we don't have a whole hell of a lot of that today. We really don't. You know, uh... You maybe, look at the character in Common Charles, you know, he's half scalped, you, he, he, you know... <clears throat> I don't know, Dwayne, if you've ever seen any movies uh, that uh, Travis Mills produced. Uh, he, he did a, a series of movies during the pandemic... Uh, 12 westerns in 12 months and, wow. and yeah and they're all really 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 good westerns and I, you know I, I, I can't he, he's producing westerns like they used to be produced and he also acts in them as well it's, he's like a, he's like a bud Bedecker yeah and he, and, and except the acts produced and one of his co-producers and and high actors in there is uh, John Mars who has done bunches of other uh, bunches of westerns he works all the time uh, he yeah and the the pair of them together man <laughs> investigate them running wild films is the company uh, just just give, check them out. Just to give you an yeah, idea, his, his project before that was 52 and 52, yeah. which was 52 shorts in 52 weeks. Yeah, yeah. I mean, wow. what a concept. He writes, he produces, he, he directs. He, he does everything. Camera. Yeah. He does the craft service. <laughs> he runs the honey wagon. He's the chauffeur, too. <laughs> he puts those little holes in the side of the film. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. He turns the crank. I mean, he, the, the guy, the, we've had him on the show a couple of times, and uh, John Mars on a couple of times, and I just love the westerns that this guy produces because, in my mind, I see him as a very young John Ford. And here's the other neat thing, too, is he has his own side, and he writes about films, yeah, yeah. and at least once once a month, maybe sometimes once a week, but generally at least once a month, there's a western in there. But he, he writes so intelligently, yeah. and he, he, he skips around the stuff that most of the people writing about film write about. <laughs> Just, All right. We're going to take our final commercial break here on Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. Our guest is Dwayne Epstein. The book is Killing Generals, 
Harry Alexander, Bunker DeFrance, and Todd Roberts with you. We will be right back. Arizona, the land of cattle, copper, and cowboys. It's also the true west where a large number of westerns were built. For your next vacation, come out to where Wyatt Earp made a name for himself as a highly respected sheriff. Stay where Jimmy Stewart filmed Winchester 73. That would be the White Stallion Ranch. Situated in the mountains just northwest of Tucson, the White Stallion Ranch is an award-winning dude ranch with 43 guest rooms and the Hacienda. That's a five-bedroom, three-bathroom home, perfect for larger families, family reunions, and girlfriend getaways. Every guest room has a private patio with views of the cactus gardens, mountains, or corrals. Generous floor plans offer sunny, comfortable rooms, but you won't want to stay in your room. Outdoor activities are plentiful at the White Stallion Ranch. Horseback riding, hiking, shooting, archery, rock climbing, e-biking, and a weekly ranch rodeo are among the numerous activities that you'll enjoy on your ranch vacation. Go Western for your next getaway. The White Stallion Ranch. Book your vacation now online at whitestallionranch.com or call 520-297-0252. This is Ed Wilkinson of Wilkinson Wealth Management where we manage money for gun owners. When people turn 50, something miraculous happens. They start to get serious about retirement planning. They've done very well so far and want to be certain they power into the retirement they've earned. Let me guide you to retire comfortably and remain comfortably retired. Call me, Eb Wilkinson, at 777-1911. That's 777-1911. Besides bringing millions a year into this community with national and international events, the Tucson Trap and Skeet Club at 7800 West Old Ajo Highway services the local shooting sports community with a 380-acre site featuring trap, skeet, five-stand, and two sporting clays fields, as well as a 9,000-square-foot clubhouse, which all is available to local shooters, and soon an archery range. Check it out at TucsonTrapAndSkeet.com or take a drive out west of town and see it for yourself. New members or single-day use, welcome. I'm Mr. Red. No doubt you've heard about rescue groups for dogs and cats. But did you know there's a rescue group for horses? That's right. It's called Horse It Around Rescue. Founders Steve Boyce and Teresa Worrell are helping out all those equine victims of neglect and cruelty by giving them a place to restore their health and wellness. And Horse It Around provides a nurturing and natural environment where horses can be horses, so they can be adopted out into forever homes. More than 120 horses, mules, and donkeys have been adopted out, but like everything else, it costs money to run the project. Horse It Around is a 501c3 nonprofit located in Southeast Arizona. Your tax-deductible donations to Horse It Around will go a long way so those horses can be horses. Check out the website, horseitaroundrescue.org. Make a difference in a horse's life. That's horseitaroundrescue.org. Oh, and something else. You know, women down there can vote. Vote? Yeah. Women vote? Yeah. Oh, that... It's times like these It just makes me give thanks that I don't know how to read. This is the Voices of the West. Don't you ever be a cowboy, don't you ever ride the plains, all you get of course upon a horse is a lot of aches and pains, don't you ever be a cowboy, don't you ever rope and tie, when you see a steer you'll feel such fear you won't even want to try, when you get a bronco to be busted, don't dare to think that critter can be trusted, cause if you do, you're sure to get your britches dusted. When he gets through with bouncing you, you'll stand up for a week. <laughs> Don't you ever be a cowboy. <laughs> Welcome back, table friends, these voices of the West. Harry Alexander, Bunker de France, <laughs> and uh, Todd Roberts in Los Angeles. Uh, that's the great fuzzy night, man. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you know, Dwayne, I got to I got to ask a question. Um, 
something that the film uh, The Dirty Dozen dealt with that was very revolutionary for the time was flat out hardcore racism. Can you talk about that, Dwayne? I certainly can. <clears throat> there was, uh, you know, obviously with the casting of Jim Brown as the character, um, 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 oh, what the heck was his name? Oh, R.T. Jefferson. In the novel, by the way, his name was Napoleon White. Um, <laughs> and nobody knows quite why the name was changed. But anyway, in any event, um, they confronted the racism not as much as they did in the novel, because what, uh, I mean, it was spoken of in the novel, more than spoken of, excuse me. It was written about in the novel, but it's spoken of in the film when Lee Marvin is interviewing Jim Brown's character. And he said, you know, Lee Marvin says, I suppose you were justified in what you did. And Jim Brown tells him, you know, well, thank you, Massa. Maybe I should have let those cracker bastards go ahead and castrate me. <laughs> and that explained what he did. And yes. there was another wonderful parallel in terms of the timing um, with the other line that Jim Brown has when he offers him the, uh, the what you call it, the mission. Mm-hmm. And, and Lee Marvin says, you know, the Germans, they're the real master race merchants. And Jim Brown says... That's your war, mister, not mine. Hmm. I'll pick my own enemies. <laughs> That's exactly what Muhammad Ali's point of view was when he refused to go into the service. Mm-hmm. So it was extremely timely, and it was put in there for a reason. Yeah. Hmm. Well, I've got a line here I want to read because that's that's the line that closes the movie, and I think it's one of the greatest lines ever written. Boy, Which oh is, boy, killing yeah, tourists can oh, get sorry. to be a habit with me. <laughs> that's right. That's why I titled the book that. And it's funny because the editor... When when the book was uh, uh, contracted, we were going to come up. We were, you know, we didn't have a title yet. And at the same time, on the phone, we both said, "Killing generals." <laughs> Isn't that amazing? That's wow. cool. That's so cool. All right, we have reached the point in the program, Wayne oh, no. Epstein, that it is time to selflessly promote oh, what you got good. going. That's good. <laughs> oh. Okay. Um, it would be just. I'm also. I also do some freelance writing for a website called Hollywood.com, and it's great because I get to write about whatever the heck I want. All there I got to do is throw the idea out, yeah. and the editor says, "Go ahead and do it." I've already done four, and I'm working on the fifth one now because I just started a little while ago. And the next one coming out is about Charles Bronson, mm. and it's called Hollywood.com, the website, and you should all check it out. And also, still, Killing Generals. And Killing Generals is available at Amazon and where else? Oh, uh, BarnesandNoble.com and pretty much every uh, bookstore, hopefully. And if they don't have it, ask for it by name. And how is your Roy Schneider project coming on? Oh, another one. Do your homework. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm working on it. That's how it's coming. I'm under it. It's supposed to come out next year. To coincide with the 50th anniversary of the release of Jaws. Oh, so wow, yeah, that'll 50 years! Oh my God, don't tell me that. 50 I years. Know. I know. Oh, you were just a baby. <laughs> my parents went to go see Jaws. My parents go to see Jaws. It's the first week it's open. Oh, it's a big, huge to do, and my my mom went to see it without us kids. I was away somewhere. So they wouldn't have taken me anyway. But my mom and dad are sitting there and comes and sits right in front of them is Roger Miller and his son. And the kid's about 9, 10, 11 years old. And the movie comes on. And in that first scene, when the girl gets hit by the shark at night on the beach, Roger Miller picks up the kid. He doesn't even let him walk. He just picks the kid up and walks right out of the theater. <laughs> you know, that reminds me of my favorite Alfred Hitchcock story from yeah. Psycho. Uh-huh. When the guy writes Hitchcock and says, hey, he says, my daughter got scared years ago about, about taking baths so she'd only take showers. She saw Psycho. She, she won't oh, take showers now. anymore. <laughs> and Hitchcock replied, send her out for dry cleaning. <laughs> <laughs> so, Dwayne, we know that uh, The Dirty Dozen is one of your favorite, if not the most favorite, uh, war movie. Favorite westerns? Oh, easy. Hands down. Magnificent Seven. Always been my favorite movie. Anytime it comes on, my girlfriend and I will be channel surfing. When it comes on and we'll hear that great music, she'll go, we're going to have to watch this, aren't we? And I said, you bet we will. We have to. 
Now, be I honest. absolutely love that. I have other favorites too, by the way. Monty Walsh being one. Right. The Professionals yeah. with Lee Morgan uh, and Robert Ryan, who we yeah. didn't actually talk about that much. Yeah. Be um, honest. Be honest now. What did you think about the 2016 Magnificent Seven? Never saw it. Oh, good for you. <laughs> you see? Well, I tell you, I'm one of those kind of people. I never saw any of the sequels that came out in the 60s. I didn't see the recent remake. I didn't see the TV series that was on. It, for me, it's just the original. Yes. That is one of the greatest ensemble casts ever. You're never going to get a cast like that together again. No, no. Most interesting. I, man, we like this guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Our time, we can yes, get we him. Let me just say forward. for everybody out there that's listening, I read... Dwayne's book, Point Blank, the Lee Marvin biography, great book. Do yourself Thank a favor. You. If you like Lee Marvin, buy it. Read it. Even if you and don't like Lee Marvin, buy it's it. It's still in print, <laughs> and next month is his 100th birthday. Oh, my God. I'm going to have And I also read uh, Killing Generals, which I have a copy of. Great book. You love this movie. You love these stars. You'll do yourself a favor and enjoy it. All right, Dwayne Epstein, hang on the line when we bring off here. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us uh, this afternoon. Great conversation, man. Fun, really cool stuff. It was a thank you for being. It was it was number one show. It was a a blast. Cool. And bunker seventy (laughs) eight, seventy nine, eighty O's. You diet dead Nancy generals. Kill them all. So long, everybody. Until next week. Thanks for listening to Emil Franzi's Voices of the West.